Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. NB is a first-person account of how it feels to be non-binary. To get the definition out of the way first, people use the term non-binary when they don't identify as completely male or completely female. It's part of a growing recognition that somebody's gender identity isn't just set at birth, black or white, pink or blue. It's more fluid than that. And it's you, and not society, who gets to decide who you are and what you want to be called. Caitlin Benedict's an Australian radio producer living in London who came out to themselves as non-binary last year. But they really want to tell their parents back home in Oz about it too. So in NB, Caitlin and their friend Amru probe some of the questions and feelings and uncertainties about being non-binary, from the language and the gendered pronouns we use to clothing and how you feel about your body. This is NB. Non-binary. Dismantling the gender binary. One big question at a time. I'm Caitlin, and I'm just figuring out my gender identity. I'm Amru, and I've been out for a while. Amru's going to share what they've learned. And hopefully learn some new things too. Okay, let's go. This is part one. Realising. Today we are going on our first road trip to... Brighton and to the Museum of Transology at the Brighton Museum and Art Gallery. Where are they? Hey, hey. good morning. Good morning. How's it going? There's Amru. They're a writer, performer and aquarium enthusiast who describes almost everything as iconic. They're my friend and my mentor. My friend-tor. They hate that. You look beautiful. Thank look at your you. sparkly eyes. I know. Sorry, I did a show last night. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably tell you a bit about who I am, too. By day, I work for Radio 4 at the BBC. I book guests, I record interviews, and I generally do behind-the-scenes things to make sure radio happens. I moved to the UK from Australia in 2012 with my partner, Roman, who you'll hear from later in the series. I am 29 and one twelfth, but I like to tell people that I'm almost 30 in hopes it'll somehow mean that they take me more seriously. Like the most beautiful uh, leftover sparkly eyeshadow. Really it's it. the same colour as your nails, so that's good. Oh, yeah, I just got these done. Yeah, um, they look great. You'll notice I refer to Amru as them rather than he or she. If you've not met anyone who uses gender-neutral pronouns before, you'll get used to it. About five minutes into the first conversation I ever had with Amru, I knew I wanted to go through this process with them beside me, coming out, making a podcast. They're kind of the same thing. Anyway... Back to the road trip and the train to Brighton. So we both identify as non-binary. And, and you've really got your shit together, do I Do I? Well... Okay, externally on the surface, I think <laughs> it seems like I have my shit together. Well, the illusion is working. I'm so excited. I mean, I think I... Um, but, you know, being non-binary for me is such a constant um, questioning of my gender and my sexuality and my worldview that... I feel like, in a way, you can't really have your shit together as someone non-binary because you're constantly 
questioning and interrogating yourself. And I still have a lot of questions. You seem to have your shit together to me. Oh my God, I have so many questions. I have nothing together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because of those questions and the very long waiting list for therapy that I'm doing this podcast. This episode is about the very first stage of that, of coming out to yourself. The first time that you realize. I think I've always been non-binary. I just didn't know I had tools in society to express it. I don't know about you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me because I feel like even when I was a kid, maybe up to like the age of 11 or 12, that gender didn't factor into lots of my thinking as my sexuality kind of didn't either because I um, was attracted to boys and girls and because everyone at the age of 10 is basically just a blob of a human. Yeah. Um, it was never really like a super important thing and then all of these little external messages about gender that are so binary start like infiltrating their way into your mind and I don't even think I clocked that I was femming up when I was yeah. in my early adolescence um, and then dismantling all of that stuff over the last couple of years like I think it all started because I got a haircut and I had short hair all of a sudden and I remember having short hair when I was a kid and I was like oh oh and then yeah. this whole kind of thought process unravels from there yeah I mean I think for me I was raised between Dubai and Bahrain and it was just a very gendered society and the fact that there were just you know, men's areas in the mosques and women's areas in the mosque and, you know, men did this and women had these kind of jobs. It's really um, embedded in where I was from. So for me, I was just like, okay, because I have a penis, I guess I'm supposed to do these things that all boys do. And I've got a twin brother who's straight and cisgender. So that means, you know, he has no... He, he feels comfortable as a man. And um, so oh, you're like a control group for each other. <laughs> I know, I know, we are. I mean, if anyone wants to pay us to experiment on us, we will take your money um, and give you no information. Being the person who is going on this journey and talking into a microphone is like uh, a kind of non-binary experience in itself for me because I'm so used to being the one operating the equipment, not the one talking into it, and. Uh, the reason that I'm doing that, despite the fact that it is really uncomfortable for me in so many ways, is because I, I know that I need to like go through this process and essentially come up with some, not some lifelong answers, but some answers for now about what kind of person I am and be able to articulate those things to the people in my life. Have you come out to your family as non-binary, Caitlin? I don't know. Uh, this is part of the podcast, and I am going to play the first few episodes to my oh, parents, wow. and then I'm going to have a conversation with uh, with my dad and kind of take it from there. I sort of um, <laughs> did a really classic. My family, we really, really deeply love each other, and uh, we know each other very well. Um, it's a pretty comfortable fairly progressive environment in my household but we don't tend to like talk about things in great detail we just uh -huh. assume everyone knows everything right um and like my dad likes my instagram post so like he probably knows but i haven't had the conversation yet and i think that is part of going home this christmas for me is is really going to be about making sure that i have those conversations and i'm really honest because when you live 
you know, 10,000 kilometers away from your parents, it's easy to, it's easy for them not to know you very well, even though you love each other really deeply. But that stage, coming out to my family, is for later on. This episode is about coming out to myself, which is why we've come to the Museum of Transology, because it's somewhere that's meant a lot to me. The first time I went there, I just cried and cried. So, we head inside, where we meet the curator, E.J. Scott. Okay, here we are. I mean, this was so meaningful to me the first time. I just can't wait for you to see it. Oh, wow. E.J., what's your pronoun? He. He. He or they or my name, I don't care. Okay. E.J. is five foot two and dressed like a trendy lumberjack. He could be 30 or 50. He bounces on the balls of his feet and gives us the warmest welcome to the museum. So we're on the other side of the door of the Museum of Transology and there are like 20 kids in there. Yep, they must still be, what, about 12 years old maybe? Imagine having that at 12 years old, getting to look at this. And they're all very loud and very excited and looking at everything very intently. That's amazing, the idea of having had having this as a child. And here they all come through now. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, everyone. Did you enjoy the exhibition? Yes. Oh. Yay. Yay. <laughs> that was a yes. They said yes. That was lots and lots of yes. Bye. Bye. God, imagine having that. I, I didn't even know anything about this until I was like that would um, they all seem so open minded and um... well I think exhibitions play a really important role in doing that you know coming to a museum museums are places where you learn about life where you learn about the world that you live in it, it's, it's a space that teaches you you know, who you are in the scheme of things. It means that these kids that are already thinking about this stuff Mm. have an opportunity to be true to themselves at a younger age, but it also means that people are starting to see themselves in the museum's collection Mm. in a way that they haven't been included before. The kids, they're going to... I mean, I think every generation thinks this, that the the kids are doing much better than us, but they really are. Yeah, look, I, I think that ultimately gender will be like getting a haircut you know it will be no big thing you will go along you'll go that's the one I want today thanks very much you know it comes in this size and this shape and no one will even think about it you know I I think we're just still really really we're making progress but actually I think we'll look back in a hundred years time and go they were really old-fashioned yeah you know what I mean I hope so do you want to come over here yeah so over here in this cabinet is what I struggled with the most. Oh, wow. So wow. these are my boobs in a jar. So this right. is... Those were your... Yep, yep, so that's me up there. And you can see my scar of my tattoo where it's been cut off there is what's left on my chest there. So, so we've got two uh, mason jars identical to the ones that I put my porridge in. And yep. within that, <laughs> we've got EJ's breasts. Yep. One of them has three quarters of a tattoo. Exactly. And the other quarter is it's sti- not. <laughs> is still it's a <laughs> um, And all of these letters, I mean, there's one, uh, the one that really, really sticks in my head, I realise, was written to you. Uh, Dear Mr. Scott, this has got an NHS masthead on it. Further to earlier discussions, I understand that you wish to retain your breast tissue following its removal at your procedure today. I have discussed this extensively with our consultant, histopathologist. 
Essentially, your breasts will be dealt with in the normal way whilst in the operating theatre and will then be sent to histopathology. If the breasts are to be actually left intact for yourself, then the histopathologist will be unable to make any histological examination of them. The breasts will require some two weeks to become fully infiltrated by the fromalin, which... Uh, yeah, is it like formaldehyde? So formaldehyde yeah. <laughs> uh, my suggestion, therefore, would be that you collect your breasts from the histopathology department at the Royal Sussex <laughs> County Hospital in Brighton on the same day that you see me for your post-operative visit. This will allow sufficient time for the breast to become infiltrated, as stated earlier. <laughs> I mean, that's a medical letter, and yet it's also like some collaborative art project. That is so cool. That is so cool. Uh, and you can just imagine. And do you know what? I was too busy to, to actually go up to collect them, so my partner went up, and, you know, there she goes, wandering down the street <laughs> with two buckets of boob in each one. <laughs> Trying not to spill the contents. What did you do today, dear? I just picked up your boobs. Thanks for that. And where did you keep them? <laughs> um, in my cupboard for a very, very long time. Next to what so, other things? Yeah, Next to the porridge? <laughs> Some of episode one of NB called Realising, presented by Caitlin Benedict and Amru Al-Kadi and produced by Caitlin Benedict, Arlie Adlington and Georgia Catt for the BBC. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.